Welcome to Key 3 Educators, helping you excel as a Christian school leader, educator, or homeschooler as you outfit students to learn themselves, love God, and live connected. Here's your host, Stephanie Smith. Welcome to Key 3 Educators. I am your host, Stephanie Smith, and today we are going to continue our conversation about AI and specifically what do we do with AI when it comes to teaching students writing in our classrooms. There's no hiding from this technology. It is here and it's something we're going to have to deal with just when we were having so much fun dealing with all of the policies over smartphones. Now we're going to have AI to wrestle with as well. But you know what? We are up for the challenge, right? Yep, that's right. I heard you say amen to that. Hey, before we continue and dive in, make sure to check out the website, key3educators.com. I have speaking engagements there that I offer for schools, and also there's a newsletter that you can sign up for. I promise this is not going to be a spammy newsletter. I don't like spam, whether it's in my email box or in a can, and I am not going to do that to you as well. So again, you can sign up for that on the website, key3educators.com. All right, we're going to pick up now with part two of our discussion about AI and will it kill writing? Let's look at some specific points that you can bring out to students. One is that writing is a discipline. It's a developed skill. You know, sometimes we think of writing as, oh, it's just a gift. Well, all abilities that we have are gifts from God. That goes without saying, whether that's with writing, with speaking, with music, with athleticism, it's, they're all gifts and abilities. And so, yes, some people have been entrusted with an ability that makes it easier for them to wrestle with the written word than other people who have been skilled and gifted in other areas. But there is no such thing as a born writer. There's no such thing as a born leader. Everybody has capacities that God gives, but everybody also has the responsibility to hone their craft, to develop those abilities. Some of the most successful writers and speakers actually are people that during in school were told, basically, you're never going to be a good speaker. You don't ever think about being a writer. That is definitely not going to be you. But they took the little one talent ability that they had and they worked with it and they honed it. And some of them have done phenomenally well in areas that they were told as kids they would never even succeed in. We see other people who have these tremendous capacities, but what happens? They don't do the work. They don't hone the craft. So when you talk to students about writing, you don't want to perpetuate this idea that some students are just great writers and some students are just bad writers. You want to teach it in the context and with the right understanding that writing is a developed skill. It is a result of discipline learning that anybody can learn. All abilities arrive in rough form and we have to do the work to hone them into something that's usable. Granite countertops have become standard in kitchens. Well, nobody just hauls in a giant block of granite and plops it down in your kitchen and goes, well, enjoy your countertop. No, what do they do? They take that block of granite and they cut it. They shape it. 
They put edges on it. They polish it. And then they come and they install it. So it moves from being a block of granite to a countertop. And writing is just like that. Another point to make with students is that the more dependent we are on someone or something else to achieve a goal, the more vulnerable we are. Dependency creates vulnerability. And so appealing to students' desire to build self-confidence and the importance of self-sufficiency isn't manipulation. It's aligning with something that is very important to them, especially throughout their childhood and their adolescent years. And self-sufficiency and self-confidence isn't about arrogance and it's not about saying, I don't need God. It is about honoring the way that God has designed us. God's design for us is to grow up into maturity. We see that not just physically, but we see that spiritually, emotionally, mentally. You know, when the Israelites left the wilderness and they were finally going to go into Canaan under the leadership of Joshua, on the very day that they stepped over that river and they moved from the wilderness into this land, God stopped sending them manna. The very day, there wasn't a week later or a month later or whatever. It was like, okay, folks, you need to understand something. You are now in a new situation. And so there are expectations that I have of you because you now have the ability to go and provide for food for yourself. You don't need to go out and collect it every morning because I drop it from the skies for you. You have the ability, therefore, you have the responsibility to go out and gather your own food. And in the same way, we have a responsibility as we grow up and mature to take on more abilities that we have because that's part of the way that God has designed us. So when you talk to students about uh, not just AI, but any kind of technology, try to get them to understand that there's a difference between making use of something because I, I can use that to hone my craft and my abilities, or I am becoming so reliant on something that I am creating a dangerous dependency. And if that's taken away from me, then what's going to happen? I'm guessing that there were plenty of Israelites who really wanted to say, wait a minute, God, uh, we'd like to stay on that. Just go out and collect manna plan rather than have to actually go out and till up soil and pull up weeds and plant seeds and wait for them to grow up and then go out and do the work of harvesting. There are probably plenty of people who kind of like the old ways better, but God was like, mm, too bad, so sad, because now you have to adapt to the new situation that you find yourself in. They became a more self-sufficient people not because they needed God less, they were they were no less dependent on him. They just became dependent on him in different ways. And they found other ways to glorify him. Another point to make with students is that discipline in one area builds the capacity for discipline in other areas. A person who learns to wrestle with words develops their capacity to fight a tough opponent on the basketball court. Now, I understand students might go, whoa, 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 wait. But it is because what happens in the mind is that when a person develops the grit and determination to say, I'm going to 
work through this hard thing and I am not going to give up, they grow grit and determination that doesn't just stay in that one area, but it expands into other areas of life. This new dynamic that we find ourselves in as a culture with the technology that we have and that's coming down the pike for us, including AI, is that it does challenge us more to look at what's the point? What's the purpose of education and of assignments? If it's a matter that I don't need to know how to do long division anymore because I have a calculator on my phone or laptop or wherever, why do we still teach that? Um, in the same way, we need to look at why do we teach handwriting the way we, you know, a lot of schools have given up cursive handwriting. And so there's a legitimate discussion to take place about that. Is that being irresponsible or is that adapting to the new times that we live in? In the same way with AI and writing, we need to look at what's the point of writing? What's the purpose of teaching everyone this skill? And so having that conversation amongst your staff and then having that conversation with students is really important. Does language matter? Does the skill of being able to craft sentences and paragraphs and essays and reports, where is that relevant in real life not just for a few select people, but for everyone. One of the points I think you can make here about writing is that it's not just about delivering information. It's about using language that can help people to be and become their best selves. Language has tremendous power. Sometimes I think students think of writing just as nothing more than an exercise in transferring information from one place to another. I'm going to go gather information on the internet and then I'm going to put it in a box. And I'm going to hand it to my teacher because all I'm supposed to be doing here is just transferring information. It's like being a pizza delivery guy. So it's like, I'm just going to go pick up the pizzas and my whole job is to take them over and to drop them off at this location. But the person who is getting those pizzas, their big issue is not the pizza delivery person. Their big issue is what's in the box. They don't care how charming and on time and uh, friendly the pizza delivery person was. They want to know what's this pizza going to taste like. And so helping students to understand that writing is not just about, I'm going to pick up this information and I'm going to deliver it over here but it's about crafting something that can nourish people's hopes and dreams and lives in powerful ways is something that we can't just expect them to know. We have to create that awareness for them. Okay, so you may be thinking, that's all well and fine, Stephanie, but how does that translate into actual practical application? So I'm gonna give you a few ideas for this. Number one is from a practical standpoint, is to establish a baseline for students writing, not their ability to use AI, but their ability to write by having every student at the beginning of every year write a composition from start to finish in class. And I would have this be for every class where that student was going to have any kind of assignments that were based on their own original compositions. 
That's not, quote, just English class. That might be science. That might be history. That could be any number of other classes. That could even be a math class. And so the way that you do this is you have a topic or a set of topics that students have enough information about that they're not going to sit there and go, what, you're sitting, you're telling me I have 30 minutes or 50 minutes or whatever to sit here and to write on this subject, and I don't even have enough information to write on this. Of course, that's going to freak out any student. So you want to have a topic or a set of topics that is broad enough, and you know, you don't want to assume, but you know that students are going to be able to write sufficiently on this topic for a long enough period of time that you're going to be able to get a feel for what's their baseline capacity right now. And you want to repeat this exercise periodically. Over time, as you collect a portfolio of students' writing, you should be able to see progress that occurs. Now, if it jumps from a 1 to a 15, uh, then you kind of want to get curious and do a little examination there. But if you see it go from a 1 to a 2 to a 4 to a 4.5 to a 5, oh, to a 7, then you're going to be able to see the result of actual learning and skill development taking place. Another thing you can do is to have an accessible portfolio of a student's writing available to all their current teachers for comparison. So for example, let's say you have a sophomore who might be writing at a senior level in history, but if they're writing at a sixth grade level in science, you want to get curious as to why. What's going on with that big of a discrepancy in their writing? Again, you don't want to leave to assumptions. Okay, we've talked about this in some previous episodes. Ask, don't assume. But by having a sample and a portfolio of students writing available to all of the teachers that they have in a given year, teachers are going to kind of be able to keep up on and keep track of, is this student really developing their writing skills are they applying over here in science what they're learning in English? Because that ought to definitely be happen happening. Or are we seeing such a disparity that we need to do some examination? Another important component of all of this is that there is a difference between assigning writing and editing and teaching writing and editing. And this is one of my personal pet peeves with so many writing curriculums and programs is they assign writing, they talk about writing, but they don't actually teach a person how to write. Writing is not intuitive. It is a developed skill. And so you have to really look at programs. And, and if you're a really strong writer and involved in teaching writing, you might not be the only one that you want to have really evaluate the curriculum because you might bring into it the bias of information that you just take for granted. Does a program from year to year to year assign writing assignments or does it teach a person how to write? There is a huge difference there. And I am convinced that one of the reasons so many students end up saying, I can't write and I hate writing is because they've had tons of assignments given to them about writing, but they've never actually been taught the skill of how you actually write. I have a little plaque on my desk that says, write without fear 
and edit without mercy. Because that is where, as Anne Lamott says, you have to be willing to kill your darlings. And there's a lot more in that editing process. So many times students are told to go back and edit, but they're never taught how do you actually edit. And that's something that I'm going to be making available and talking about um, at, at a later time. But just as an introduction to that, you have to think of it like a funnel. Not a funnel cloud, but like an oil funnel or like a funnel that you might use in, in baking. So you start with the big piece at the top, and that's like the main composition. So you look at, okay, is there a consistent subject and theme? Is there a good flow throughout this composition? And then you go down and you look at individual paragraphs, and then you look at sentences, and then you look at word choice. And that's what edit, that's one approach to editing that students can see in application. It's not just, well, you need to make this better. You need to use more vivid language. You need more powerful verbs. You need less adverbs. You, you just don't have a good flow here. I mean, that can all just sound like want, want, want. What am I supposed to do with that? So you want to make sure that you are teaching how to edit. Okay. I've got three more points here. So what are they? They are, first of all, as students master specific skills, give them more privileges to use AI. You know, just as we use Grammarly and even the editor feature in Microsoft Word to help point out not only mistakes, but areas for improvement, AI could be used to improve a skill. So once they've reached certain points of development in their writing, it's kind of like a privilege that they can earn to be able to say, now that I've gotten to this point, we're going to make use of AI to help me get to the next point, not to help me do my work. Uh, to do the work for me, but to help me know how I can get from point A to point B. You can also embrace students' curiosity by using AI. And this is especially true for adolescents whose brains are programmed to crave to investigate what is new and what is different. So take advantage of that. Align your teaching with that, that need for, for what's new. Um, maybe one assignment you, they start with an AI generated piece and then they have to edit and improve it. Maybe they have to add humor or they have to incorporate a personal story or analogy or a Bible application. So you can also kind of flip the switch here and to start with AI generated content. And that might be content that students use AI to generate for themselves, but then they're the ones that have to bring themselves into that composition to be able to improve it, to give it their own voice and their own style, or to adapt it to a specific audience. That's another assignment that you can have. Okay, so you all were given this topic, or you picked one, and you had AI generate, say, an essay for you. That's awesome. That's great. That would be a great essay if you were submitting that for a college application process. But guess what? That's not the group that you're going to submit this essay to. This essay is going to be submitted to the AARP magazine, or it's going to be submitted to a travel magazine, or it's going to be submitted to your local newspaper for an opinion piece. So you're going to have to adapt this to a particular audience. And then lastly, do not adopt a fearful mindset. Fear kills creativity and it will give kids, especially adolescents, 
a feeling of superiority. It will give you less credibility in their eyes if you show yourself to be afraid of AI and this technology than if you say, I'm not afraid of this. Um, it's new. I'm going to learn this and we're going to be able to know how we're going to make good use of this in education. That confidence is going to help them then to, um, give you credibility in that area as well as in other areas of education. And it will also model for them how to approach something that's new and something that's different and something that honestly has the potential to upend and will have a profound impact on generated written content. No different than Gutenberg Printing Press revolutionized the printed word. Well, I'd love to hear how you are using or not using AI in your school or your classroom. And if you have any questions about it, I'm not positioning myself at all as an expert, but I am curious about it and can think about it in some different ways of practical application as well as the philosophy behind it. And so there's a contact form and contact information on my website, key3educators.com. And oh yeah, while you're there, don't forget to sign up for the Three Keys newsletter and check out speaking engagements on the speaking page. All right, my friend, this comes straight from the heart. No AI-generated content in this last statement. Remember this, you have an impact that is immeasurable, eternal, and irreplaceable. Thank you for being with us today. For information on speaking engagements and resources for your school or family, visit the website key3educators.com. Remember, learn yourself, love God, and live connected.